You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today, we have a special guest missionary with us. Let's prepare our hearts as our guest missionary brings forth God's truths from His Word today. I I don't do commercials real, real well. You know, when I was a pastor, you know, these guys would come and they could promote everything. I'm still learning how to do that. All righty, but we have a ministry. My wife, June, and myself, last year, I don't know if I retired from the church December 31st of 17 or January 1st of 2018, but whatever the day was, I resigned pastoring Faith Baptist Church in Plymouth, Wisconsin, and they are our sending church, and we've started a ministry that's called Training the Nations. We have a prayer card. If you go out the door, right on the left, my wife has ladies' Bible study books. There's five of them there. And uh, ladies, you take a look at those. If you have questions about them, I'm, if you come to me and say, I have a question, I'm going to say you need to see June. I have read them. I did not memorize them. Amen? All righty. So you talk to her and she can fill you in. But please take a prayer card. I mean, man, there's a good-looking picture on there. I mean, but anyway, take a picture, training the nation. You can say that when you're my age, amen, all right? You get by with more the older you get. And, and people just think their mind is going anyway. <laughs> and that's true, all right. People always wonder, and I get asked, how can I pray for you? How can we pray for you? I'm going to seriously tell you this, and I'm going to tell you again tonight because I know Baptist, all right, and so forth. Three things you can pray for us. Number one, pray for power. We need power more than we need money, contacts, whatever. We need the power of God on our ministry. We also need physical power. I am 63, June's 39. Our oldest is 38. Last December was our 42nd wedding anniversary, all right. But uh, I say that, you know, June had spinal fusion surgery in 2015. I was born with a back disease, that's why I'm so short. And uh, every now and then we just need physical power, okay? So pray for power, pray for provision, for provision. If everything goes perfectly well this year, this is the minimum of what we will be doing. We'll be going to Asia three times a month at a shot. When I say Asia, we, will, we leave the 21st of this month. We'll go to India for a week. We'll be in Trivandrum. If you look on your map, it's at the bottom. Number two, after that, we go to Saipan for two weeks, training Chinese. If you know where Guam is, it's the third island north of Guam, northern Mariana Islands. And then the third... Uh, place we go on that trip is to Hong Kong. Okay, so we will be doing that three times. We'll be going to South Texas. And when I say South Texas, we're about 45 miles up the Rio Grande from Brownsville. Okay, Uh, suburb of McAllen, Mission, Texas. And to work with a ministry there. I've preached there. The church is in the United States, but the majority of the church doesn't speak English. Okay? We work there. We'll be going down, and I'll tell you more about that ministry later. We'll be going down there about four times this year for about a month at a shot. And then we're involved in some other things, and I'll 
lay that out better tonight. So pray for provision. All of that takes money. And also pray for protection. Do you know, as we drive, do you know there's people on the road that shouldn't be? <laughs> you ever met them? All right. Tonight, I will be telling you about what happened to us in China. One year ago, we were in China. Literally, the one-year anniversary of us being forced to leave China was January the 6th, this past Wednesday night. I'll be sharing with you what happened. So pray for protection because we get in some places where it's not always safe. And thanks, okay? Pray for power. Let's say it together. Power, provision, protection. All righty. Sounds good. So that's how you can pray for us. Please take a prayer card. All righty. And um, pray for us. We need that. This past year, June and I, we're in nine foreign countries, two American territories, and we drove over 30,000 miles. Um, and we're having the time of our life. We enjoy it. We're doing great. One of my daughters said, Mom, you and Dad are together all the time. Is everything going okay? <laughs> you know, all of this stuff. So... We are enjoying it tremendously. And when I, I mentioned this in Sunday school, when I was in Bible college, and that wasn't yesterday, let's just go with that. And uh, I, I told the guys that I was calling, I said, towards the end of things, I would love to teach in a Bible college. And right now, we teach in Bible colleges around the world. And uh, just having the time of our life, we're adjunct professors in two we have been con we've had contact from others that literally we don't have time to do it all. It, it, it's amazing. We feel like we're taking a drink out of a water fire hydrant. And uh, it, it's incredible. We wake up this last year. There were many times we woke up as we were traveling around the country. And, and legitimately, I would lean, I'd say, what, what, what day is this? And where are we? You, you know? But we thank the Lord for it. We have been all over. But I hope you'll come back tonight. Seriously. Everybody that goes to church, a Bible-believing church, knows that there's issues in China. We will tell you what happened to us this past year in China. And uh, I'll leave it at that, okay? And just uh, uh, for a teaser, if you will, on that. We have some slides we'll show on our work um, if you would, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Chronicles 13. Not 1 Corinthians, 1 Chronicles chapter number 13. Okay? Now, different churches, different areas have different customs. Okay? So I don't know how you do it here. But I'm going to ask you, if you would, if you would stand with me in honor of the Word of God as I read. We're going to read the entire chapter of 1 Chronicles 13. It's only 14 verses, okay? We may leave out a verse or two, but uh, we're going to take a look at this. And when you're reading the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, some of these accounts, try and have a sanctified imagination so you can see what's going on. 
My wife knows I have a vivid imagination. Sometimes it's not as sanctified as it ought to be. But try to picture in your mind's eye what's going on and what happened. Almost as if you were sitting off in the stands watching what's going on, or a participant, if you will. Let's begin, verse 1. The Bible says, And David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and with every leader. And David said unto all the congregation of Israel, If it seem good unto you, and that it be of the Lord our God, let us send abroad unto our brethren everywhere that are left in all the land of Israel, with them also to the priests and the Levites, which are in the cities and suburbs, that they may gather themselves unto us. And let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we inquired not at all in the days of Saul. That is so sad, so sad. And we'll look at it later. And all the congregation said that they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. So David gathered all Israel together from Shihar of Egypt, even into the entering in of Hemath, to bring the ark of God from Kirjath-Jerim. And David went up and all Israel to Balah, which that is to Kirjath-Jerim, which belonged to Judah, to bring up thence the ark of God, the Lord, that dwelleth between the cherubims, whose name is called on it. And they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab, and Uzzah and Ahio drove the cart. And David and all Israel played before God with all their might, and with singing, and with harps, and with psalteries, and with timbrels, and with cymbals, and with trumpets. And when they came into the threshing floor of Chidon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he smote him because he put his hand to the ark, and there he lifted, and there he died before God. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, wherefore the place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of God that day, saying, How shall I bring the ark of God home to me? So David brought not the ark home to himself to the city of David, but carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray today that you would still our minds and our hearts. Lord, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be in church today. We thank you for the word of God. I pray that our hearts would be open to what you have for us. I pray that you would use your word to draw us to yourself. Lord, bless the preaching, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you and be seated, please. Now, I want to explain some things right up front. <clears throat> Sometimes, and I've, I've been in ministry my entire adult life, sometimes people have odd ideas about the preacher. Sometimes they will come to me, I've had people come to me and say, you told the preacher about me, didn't you? That's a, and I mean, they really don't think because what they're saying is the Holy Spirit convicted me and I didn't give in. Amen? Okay, by the way, 
when I need an amen, if I don't get enough amens, I have been known to walk down and amen myself. <laughs> have I not? Right there's a witness. All righty. I don't know any of you here, and your preacher did not give me the goods on anybody. I know June. I know Phil and Terry Pierce and their troops. Phil Pierce, Mr. Pierce, was my school administrator a hundred years ago in Jefferson City, Missouri. Okay? So any of you students want some stories for the right amount of money, I can make up some good ones. Amen? All right. So there you go. Now, if the Holy Spirit rings your doorbell, answer the door. Amen? I don't know you. I don't know what your needs are. But I have preached in America. I have preached in foreign countries. And the difference is dramatic. Dramatic. We talk about trusting the Lord. And the truth is we trust our paycheck and our employer. And it's not that way in other parts of the world. In China, the average believer reads their Bible through six to eight times a year. How are you doing on that? See, they don't have Facebook, Twitter, Twitter, posts and toots and all that. They don't have that. I'm not preaching against social media. I'm preaching against social media becoming your God. Amen? See, they didn't get up and check that this morning. They got up and got in the Word of God and spent time with God. That's not even the sermon, nor the introduction. All right, here we go. First Chronicles 13. David has just become king. Saul was recently killed in battle. Israel's going through some changes. There were people that did not want David to become king. They wanted Saul's son, Ishbosheth. How would you like to be named Ishbosheth? They wanted him. My father's name is Grover. I'm thankful I'm not junior. Amen? All right. And all. The, uh, but they wanted Ishbosheth to be the king. Israel had many issues. David wanted to get Israel back on track spiritually. If you paid attention while we were reading, it said that under Saul, they didn't need the ark. But David wanted to get that thing back in place and get it in use. David became king. Let's, let's talk about David for a few minutes before we get into this. David, as a young man, learned how to trust the Lord. It's never too early to start trusting the Lord. See, in the Bible, we have saving faith. When I trusted the Lord as my Savior as a sophomore in high school, I had saving faith. From that day to this, I have sanctifying faith, or faith where I trust the Lord. Last year, we did not have time to raise all our support. And I told you, man, I, literally, we've been around the world. And God brought the money in. It's amazing. And we're trusting him to do it this year also. We're leave, we leave the 21st. And, and the reason I'm sharing this is there, there'll be many of you ask me this question after church just statistically. How much does it cost to go? The airplane tickets for our next trip were about $5,400 for the both of us. Okay, that's just the airplane tickets and stuff, and there'll be other expenses. It'll cost about $6,000 for this trip. Is my God worth $6,000? Is he? 
when I resigned the church, I was preaching through Hebrews 11 and just finished. And one of the families that we're close with, Ron, the, the husband, came up and he said, you've been preaching on faith, now you're going to get to practice it. It's one thing to preach about it, it's another thing to do it. Our God is good, and he is good all the time. But David, David learned how to trust the Lord. You remember, you read about David, it says that when he was tending the sheep, he fought off some wild animals with bare hands. It's not like he had a big gun. You know what I'm saying? He fought them off. And then back in 1 Samuel chapter 17, he goes up, his father calls him in and sends him with some food for his brothers fighting in the army. You remember reading about that story? And Saul and the army of Israel were cowering in fear against Goliath. And here's this kid. They say, Bible commentators and scholars say, he might have been 18 years old. Okay? He was out there. He was, you know, he walks up. And he says, is there not a cause? And his oldest brother gets mad at him. And says, what kind of trouble are you trying to stir up? You know why? Because the brother wasn't, didn't have faith in God and David did. And he was trying to shut his brother up. Okay, David gets fitted with Saul's armor, but it wouldn't work. Saul wanted everybody to think that it was him out there going to battle. David goes out, you know the story, he's got the five little stones. He hits Goliath in the head, and Goliath sinks in death. Now to me, people, and that's good, and that's a great part of the story, but the story's really just getting going. You remember before Goliath was killed, he said, I'm going to cut your head off and feed your carcass to the birds. Remember reading that? What did David do? David runs out, takes Goliath's sword, and lops his head off. Boom. I told the guys in Sunday school, the, the Sunday school, it wasn't just guys, the Sunday school class I had, that I hope in heaven there's video replays. That's one I want to see. Amen? Don't you? You know what I'm saying? He runs out there and he lops off his head. And you know what he did? He took the head and the sword home. He took it home. He carried it in to Jerusalem. We don't have time. You can go back and read 1 Samuel 17 and 18. 18 is where he gets in trouble with the wet. Women always get men in trouble. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> and it's women that were singing, Saul has slain his thousands. David has slain his tens thousands. And Saul got all jealous. But here comes David back into Jerusalem. At that time, Jerusalem was not controlled by Israel. Jerusalem was under the Jebusite control. David made that the capital after he was king of the United Kingdom. And he was just a kid then. He goes wandering in. Those of you that have teenage or little boys that go into... Yet your son's ever brought home things that you wish they wouldn't have? That's like saying, is he alive? <laughs> All right. June used to tell our son, good boys don't bring frogs in the house. 
And of course he has before it was all over, all right? But anyway, here he comes. The head of the greatest warrior in the world. This little teenage runt comes in carrying that head. Now I hold it like this because in my imagination he's got a hold of the hair just toting that thing in. If you read the life of David, there's times when he wants to buy a piece of land and one of them was an old Jebusite chieftain. Do you think he had heard the story of David carrying that head into Jerusalem? Now David's made king here in our part and he's concerned about getting Israel back on track spiritually. Good thing, amen? Okay, now we come to our scripture here and what's going on. I've got five points. Number one, the man. Not David, Uzzah. Uzzah. In verse 7, we read about him and Ahio stuff. And if we would go back to 1 Samuel 7, we would see that Uzzah was a grandson of Abinadab, the son of Eleazar. You say, why is that important? The ark had been kept in their family outbuilding, barn. It was there. What do boys do at grandpa's barn? Well, they do. They go through stuff, right? Amen? They get in trouble. Uzzah grew up with the ark in the barn. I mean, boys go in the barn, they climb on stuff, they fall on stuff, they break stuff. Am I right or am I wrong? You think that just started in our generation? Okay. He was used to seeing the ark out in the barn. Was it covered up? I have no idea. But it was out there. How long was it out of use? I read different ideas, but the ark was out of use for at least 50 years. 50 years. You know, during that time, he just got familiar with the ark. It wasn't something special. You know, in fact, if you study the use of the ark in the tabernacle, then the temple, once a year, the chief priest went back behind the Holy of Holies and put blood on the mercy seat. Right? They weren't familiar with it. Here, not because he did anything wrong, but it was just there. As a kid, he just grew up with it. It was a grandpa's house all the time. Do you know what happens? We come to a time, if we're not careful, where things of the Lord become commonplace and familiar with us. Right? You know how you can tell that? I'm going to give you some clues. When you read your Bible and it's not special... Amen? You ever read your Bible and you come to a place where you're familiar with what it is? For example, Psalm 23. Everybody knows Psalm 23, right? And you're about down to the fourth verse and you don't remember starting because you've been thinking about what you got to do that day. You can think, you know, go to work, go to school, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's familiar. It's familiar. I get one magazine, it's called Goth Digest. It does me no good. <laughs> I went to my golf game, 
The biggest problem with my golf game is I'm standing too close to the ball <laughs> after I hit it. <laughs> that golf dot just comes, I open that thing, man, I'm going through that thing. I don't fall asleep on my golf digest. Amen? My mom used to get June Southern Living. I had the greatest magazine in the world. I'd get that thing when it'd come in, and in the back, there's a bunch of recipes. I'd go through there and dog ear the pages that she was supposed to check out. <laughs> Amen? You think I'd fall asleep seeing that stuff? Good night. June, look at it. She looks at all the ingredients. She said, that thing costs $75 to make. I said, it's, it's, it's probably worth it. You don't get familiar with that. We get familiar with spiritual things. We take church for granted. That's why there's always a bigger crowd on Sunday morning than there is on Sunday night. Do I need to come down? See, there's people that they come to Sunday morning because they're salving their conscience. And Sunday night, there's something on television they'd rather watch. Amen? Amen. They'd rather get together with the family. Even though the Bible says to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Well, that, they didn't have Sunday morning and Sunday night in Bible times. You know, you're right. In the New Testament church time, they met every day. Daily. And in every house. Amen? Amen? I love it when people that are not right with God try to use the Bible to condone their ungodly lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? Amen. When missing church doesn't bother you. When Sunday's just a day you can do anything else. Well, I don't have time. I've got to do it on Sunday. Well, why don't you skip work and do it on Monday? My boss wouldn't like it. How do you think God likes it? Amen? Okay? You get familiar with stuff. Prayer time. Ah, what's going to happen is going to happen. I'm telling you what, when you don't have full support, prayer is serious. <laughs> you can get with it then. Do you know, our son went through college not right with God. I tell you what, he is now right with God. That improves your prayer life. I guarantee it. When the need comes, it's not familiar. You know, you can tell that you, you don't witness. Well, they're going to think I'm weird. I'm going to let you in on a secret. You are weird. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Being normal is overrated. You know, here in the United States, we have freedoms that the rest of the world is dying for. Right. Dying for. You realize in Myanmar, it was either last week or week before a pastor was taken and executed. In Iran, there was a couple, he wasn't a pastor, but for witnessing, he and his wife were taken and to be tried before the religious court in Iran for proselytizing to Christianity. 
which is exactly what they were doing. Do you know what the penalty for that is under normal circumstances? It's execution. What did the guy do? He owned a hair salon. I do not know if that sentence has been carried out yet. We come to church and we act like we're doing God a favor by showing up 30 seconds before time to start. Amen? Now, I understand this morning you, there are people that had power out and stuff, all of that. Man, oh man, we live in Plymouth, Wisconsin. Okay? For those, Plymouth is a town about 8,500. If you get Sargento cheese, you look on the back of that and it'll say Plymouth, Wisconsin. Okay? And uh, if you don't know right where it is, Plymouth is about halfway between Milwaukee and the home of the 13-time world champion Green Bay Packers. Amen? All right. And all. A week ago, Wednesday morning, we woke up, as you did, and it was just a tad nippy. Minus 22 was the actual temperature, and I looked at the feels like it was minus 50. I took the screenshot of that, sent that to our children, sent it to our friends in South Texas. Said it's just about swimming weather. Amen? <laughs> All right. But you know, we get familiar with the things of God. And we always find somebody that agrees with us. You know what I mean? What did you think of what they said at church? What did you think about? And you can always find somebody that agrees with you. The question is, what does God think? What does God think? And Americans, we're great at comparing Thing. And there's nothing wrong with comparing. Like you say, you know, I ate at this restaurant, it's like eating, you know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with that. But when we're comparing ourselves spiritually, the standard is not Joe over here, the standard is God. And we can always find some Joe that we're better than. And you know what? There's somebody using us for the example that they're better than us. And they're normally right too. But God's the standard. The man. Number two, the mission. The mission was to get the ark back to Jerusalem. Now, the ark's purpose, it was built for the tabernacle and for the temple. It was built for where God met with his people. Do you remember reading how when they got the tabernacle up, got the ark in place and everything, and the Shekinah glory of God came down? And when that cloud was there, it represented that God was there with his people. And the same thing happened with the temple. Very, very same thing. The ark's place was to be in the tabernacle, not in a barn. God wanted it in the tabernacle. And then the temple. It had been out of circulation, I mentioned, for 50 years. Under Saul, it wasn't an issue. Here's David wanting to get it back into place. Now, here's the mistake. Here's the mistake. And if you look at this, from a human standpoint, everything they did was good from a human standpoint. But do you realize God wants us to look at things from his standpoint? And God tells us to do things that sometimes don't make sense. In my Old Testament Bible reading, I read this morning about the walls of Jericho falling down. Can you imagine a general coming in saying, I think this is how we need to fight this battle. 
We're going to march around this city six times, once a day for six days. And we're not going to say anything. We're going to be quiet. And then on the seventh day, we're going to come out, march around it six times. And after the seventh time, we're going to, they're going to be a trumpet and we're going to hoot and holler and the walls are going to fall down flat. Tell me that one makes sense. Did it work? Because that's exactly what God said to do. One guy, and there's always one, steals the goodies, right? They go to AI, 36 guys get killed. Joshua finds out what's going on. They take care of the guy. And the Lord says, what you do, go back to AI and put some guys in hiding for an ambush and have, you know, in retreat like they're beating you again. They didn't say anything about marching around it and being quiet. And he says, you'll have a great victory. Whoop. Did that one work? It did absolutely. My point is we need to see what God wants us to do and we need to follow that. It may not make sense to us from a human standpoint. What these guys did here made sense from a human standpoint. Did it work? No. Not at all. Verse 7, they carried the ark out, put it in a new cart, one that hadn't been used for anything else, and they were going to take it. Now, Jerusalem is up. I've never been to Israel, but I know enough of the geography that Jerusalem was up. So they were having to carry this thing up. So they put it on a cart, it was pulled by some animals. That sounds a lot better than lugging that thing up to me, doesn't it to you? These guys looked at the circumstances and tried to figure out how to do it the easiest way for themselves instead of what God wanted. And it was an utter, miserable failure. From a human standpoint, looked good. You say, well, how were they supposed to know what to do? In Exodus 25 and in Deuteronomy 6, it tells you how to load and how to move the ark. They're supposed to know the Bible. You know, in Matthew chapter 22, I love reading this story. There's groups of people that come to Jesus to try to trip him up. The Herodians, they were the ones that were tight with Rome. They come to Jesus and say, hey, are we supposed to ta pay our taxes? Don't you wish Jesus would have said no? <laughs> said, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, render unto God that which is God. The Sadducees come up, and they didn't believe in the miraculous in the first place. They were the religious liberals of the day. And they come up with this wild story about a guy who's, you know, he died and the woman didn't have a child, the brother's supposed to do this and goes through seven different brothers. And then Jesus says, one of the greatest lines in Scripture, in my opinion, ye do err not knowing the Scriptures. And when you don't know the Scriptures, you're in for a whole lot of errors. Amen? See, in America, we think the government is going to take care of us. What is wrong with us? If after the last four years, you can't see how the government is not in it for you, there's no hope for your thinking. There's one thing they're in for, themselves. I don't care if you're an elephant or a donkey. 
I'll let you in on a secret. When Jesus comes back, he's not going to be the keynote speaker at the Republican convention. Amen. But, but he is going to take over. <laughs> Amen. All right. These guys, everything from a human standpoint was done just great. But not only was there the mistake, but there was multiplication. You say, what do you mean? It went on beyond this. They, uh, they loaded the ark improperly. They moved the ark improperly. See, what happens when we don't do right and we get by with it, then we go to another step. Oh, nothing happened this time. And then you go to another step. Are you with me? And it just, we get worse and worse and worse and worse. And rather than us seeing that God is giving us an opportunity to repent, we see it as God giving us an opportunity to have our own way. They go over a bump in the road, which means they were either in Michigan or Wisconsin. There was bumps, all right? And the ark begins to wobble. Did it make sense to reach up and stop the ark from wobbling? I mean, it would have fallen over, maybe broken, right? Is that, I mean, that's a good assumption, right? From a human standpoint, this made sense. How'd that work? Didn't work too good for us, it did it. Just more devastation. What happens when we do things man's way instead of God's way? It does not work. It does not work. Never has. And I'm willing to venture a guess it never will. Because God's way is always right. Amen? Our God is always good. All the time. When things are going good, when things are not going good. Our God is good. You say, preacher, you don't know what's going on in my life. Hey, you don't know what's going on in my life. God is good. Period. Number five, the messages are the lessons from this. Number one, preparation. Preparation. Spend time with God. Trust the direction of the Lord. Well, my friends say to do it this. Are your friends God? Sometimes you're going to have to stand against your friends. Amen? Amen. Our, 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 once again, our standard is God. And I'm in favor of good friends. But God is our standard, not our friends. Spend time with God. There's no substitute for this. None whatsoever. You can't, you, you know, I, I can't cook. I've got the eating part down, the cooking part I can't cook. But you know, you, you substitute this for this and that for that, and there's no fat, and there's no gluten, and there's no taste, and there's no, you, you know what I mean? All that stuff, you know what I'm saying? Okay, there's no substitutions for spending time with God. You say, I don't like to spend time with God. That's a problem. And the problem is your heart. 
if your heart was right with God, you'd like spending time with him. Say, well, he doesn't let me do what I want to do. Welcome to the club. When I was a kid, I wanted to either be a lawyer. (laughs) You're thinking, yeah, you can talk a lot. (laughs) All right. Or I wanted to be a secret service agent. I mean, all that fancy spy stuff. Isn't that great? And then I remember watching on the news, and some of you, once again, you're not in the mature generation. You didn't see this. Uh, I, I saw President Reagan, his Secret Service guard, step in front of him when that guy was shooting. I thought, <laughs> I'm not interested in that part of it, I guarantee you. You know what I mean? But you get right with God and you'll find out that his way is perfect. You'll find out that what God wants to do is good. Spend time with God. Preparation. Number two, priority. Don't trivialize the things of God. Do keep growing in your Christian life. You say, preacher, I'm a mature Christian. Let me ask you a question. In Romans 8, it says that we're to be conformed to the image of his son. How are you doing on that one? Anybody got that one down? So there's still room to grow. Amen? All of us need to grow. And the truth is, there ought to be some mature believers in here, and there ought to be some immature believers, immature because they're recently saved. Sadly, in many Baptist churches in America, they're immature because they don't spend time with God and don't grow. But the Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Philippians 2 and verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. You always think like Jesus thinks? I mean, in the vernacular of the day 24-7, do you think like Jesus thinks? You know what I'm saying? There's room for growth. Number three, performance. Obedience is a big deal to God. When you read the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, man, oh man, he just hammers it home. There is a blessing for obedience. There's punishment for disobedience. And I mean, it is all over the Bible. Proverbs 4 and verse 4, He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. The problem in America is we know more of the words of television than we do of God. We get up in the morning and we open Facebook. We open all those social accounts and check those rather than checking what God has for us. In John 14, verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. John 15, 10, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Lesson number four, perception. Psalm 119, 11, Thy word have I hidden mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. You know, in the New Testament, there was a famous Pharisee. His name was Gamaliel. And he was the main teacher of the Pharisees. From history and so forth, we learn that he had a student that had the entire Old Testament memorized. The entire Old Testament memorized. Think about that. Is that pretty, that's pretty good, is it not? You know, by the way, how are we doing on that? <laughs> They think that it was the Apostle Paul. 
the Apostle Paul. The reason sometimes we don't think like God is that we don't know how God thinks. And we have to renew our mind. And that happens, we're told in Romans 12, by the Word of God. So our relationship and our faith and our growth is a direct reflection of our relationship to the Word of God. People, you know, like I said, I've been in ministry my entire adult life. So-and-so offended me. Hey, and I've met a lot of offensive people in church. Have you? I, once again, I don't know any of you except the Pierces. Okay? There are offensive people in churches. But you know what Psalm 119, 165 says? Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing, nothing, only one nothing, shall offend them. Oh. That kind of, that doesn't give us room to, hey, and the truth is, there are people that are offensive. You know, in school, when we're going to school, our parents tell us to not let that bother us. We come to church and we set a different standard. We need to have a perception of walking with God. Not for other people to see, but for us in relation to the Word of God to walk with God. James 1, verse 6. If any of you lack wisdom, that's verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Do you know anybody that needs wisdom? How about the guy you see or the lady you see when you're combing your hair in the morning? You need wisdom? Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Man, I like that kind of liberal. Getting God's wisdom liberally. As we read through this, we see a story of an ark being moved. And somebody that doesn't understand the Bible nor God will say, God was harsh. No. God was acting within his character. And God expects us to walk with him. He expects us to walk with him. He gave the plan... The people weren't following the plan. And there came a time where he had to pay the price. God gives us his word. He tells us what he expects. He tells us how to be saved. I didn't grow up in church. My family didn't grow up in church. My family all got saved about the same time. A Baptist church started in the little strip mall in the entrance to the subdivision I grew up in in northwest St. Louis County. And they went door knocking. They knocked on our door, and my mother started going. She took my sister and me. My mom got saved, my sister got saved, and my dad got saved, and I was the last one. As a sophomore in high school, I trusted the Lord Jesus as my Savior. But from that on, that's a starting place. That's not the ending place. And then the Lord has a plan for our lives, and He expects us to keep that. How are you doing in that? Number one, are you saved? Number two, are you walking with God like you should? No excuses. Just doing what's right. By the grace of God, none of us are perfect, but trying to do what's right. Let's pray. 
You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.